This is Jordan Rich, and you're tuned to On Mike with Jordan, first podcast of the new year 2021. And we've got a very busy and exciting year ahead with lots of creative people joining us. Quick note, if you'd like to check out my book, it's called On Air, My 50-Year Love Affair with Radio. You can visit jordanrich.com or find it on amazon.com. All proceeds benefit Boston Children's Hospital. And shortly, within the next couple of weeks, I should have word on the audio book version, which is in production at this time. So, jordanrich.com. Joining me today is a freelance writer and a mom. Her name is Michelle Viner. She wrote a few words about mental health. And it is just that, words, a list of them written for those struggling with mental health issues and for those who love and support them. Michelle has mentioned a devoted mom, and she wrote this little book to address the emotional side of mental health and to inspire and encourage, as she says, one word at a time. We need all of us to talk more openly about mental health issues, which is why I've invited this talented writer and inspiring mom to join us right here on Mike. It's so nice to be here with you, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me. It's very snowy here in Toronto, Canada today. How goes the the virus and what's happening or here in the States? It's been pretty, well, pretty rough. You know what? I think we're all struggling, aren't we? Our numbers are certainly higher than we want them to be. That's for sure. So well, that, trying, but... that sort of parlays into uh, what we're going to be talking about today, uh, stress, mental health, and uh, your book, Few Words sure. About Mental Health. I don't think mental health has been on the front burner as much as it has in the last couple of months. Totally agree. I think, you know what, I, I actually like to say, um, there's, there's, not, not, there's not quite my words, but a uh, psychiatrist that I worked with on the book said, you know, we're really all engaged right now in a global uh, empathy class. We're all engaged in a mental health exercise. And, you know, from our perspective, um, as a family who who does deal with mental illness, I have people now talking about it in a way that they've never talked about it before. So I think people are really understanding that, you know, a lot of what people face who do deal with anxiety or depression um, or other things, we're now all kind of experiencing that uncertainty, the fear for the future, uh, isolation, just not being able to be the social beings that we're supposed to be. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's really created an empathy. That's maybe one of the silver linings to COVID. There are not many of them, Uh, No, but maybe that might be one of them that we're all kind of understanding each other a little bit more than we used to. I concur. Um, I've just written a little book of my own and I talk about my own experiences that I'll share with you as we go along here. But one of the really important touch points is having people listen and understand and not be quick to judge and stigmatize. It's been a problem for decades and centuries. And you know what? I hate to say this so bluntly, but it's still alive and well, Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. I think we're making great headway with it. Um, You know, we are talking about it. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, pre-COVID, we were talking about it more. And and I do recognize that. Um, But I'll tell you, the reason for putting pen to paper and creating this book in the first place you know, when my daughter was uh, first diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I, I, we kind of got thrown into this world and I really didn't know what to do to help her. Um, I have no skills in mental health, Jordan. I'm not a, psych- a psychiatrist or a therapist or a doctor or anything. I was simply a parent. But stigma is something that we can all go after. And I think the more that we talk about it, 
you know, I, I literally used my words, literally used my skills as a writer and uh, ability to communicate to try and put this book out there to, to eradicate just that, that stigma. Because if we eradicate the stigma, more people will get help. You said it so well, a few words about mental health is the title, and that's pretty much how the book is laid out. It's a very easy read, but it's a very deep and thoughtful one. And words like listen and know, these are all chapter headings, quote unquote, inspire, proud. There's one that's actually important, crap. <laughs> I know it sounds, I, I love just saying that and getting away with it because it's part of the show here. Uh, we'll get into more of the structure of this and why it's so important, but let's tell the story or share some of the story of your own family, which sure. I, I know a lot of my listeners worldwide will be able to see some semblance of familiarity with. Your daughter, Jacqueline, you've got two mm-hmm. daughters, first of all. I have all. two daughters, yeah, okay, Emma and Jacqueline, And they're yes. beautiful girls who helped us set up this interview That's today, right. technically. What would we do without... The younger generation when it comes to techie stuff. You have got that right, Jordan. Absolutely. Talk about Jacqueline and talk about what impact uh, this has had on her, on you, and and how it manifested itself. So this all started, um, I'll say six years ago with the diagnosis of bipolar disorder. It started before that. I think any family who is experiencing mental illness with their own children will know that it is certainly a process. Um, to get to a diagnosis oftentimes, and that was the case with us. So she really probably started showing some signs of, you know, having some trouble in school and, and um, maybe some, some signs of low mood that we didn't really recognize as such uh, earlier than that. Um, and I, I also like to say, you know, you don't find this stuff out with a blood test. This stuff is usually things that you find out with very unfortunate circumstances, and that was our case. So we got a call from the school one day. Jacqueline had managed to get through elementary school very well, even though she had had some learning issues and so on. And she was now in high school, first year of high school, and things really started to turn with her. Um, And I got a call from the school one day saying that we needed to come and get her because she was just in a very unsettled place. Um, And that kind of started the whole thing. A lot of truth came out at that point. And we uh, knew that she had been uh, depressed. We knew that she had been self-harming. She she was just really struggling, Jordan, in in a number of different ways, socially, so on. Uh, You know, always managing to kind of live her life. So it was a little bit under the radar. But and I think parents, I say that because parents will recognize that sentiment. Um, So we started the process of she, she went into therapy uh, thinking that she was dealing with, we we thought she was dealing with depression and she actually tells a story. Jacqueline's a very uh, eloquent speaker in her own right about her illness. And she tells a story of being in a depression group um, one day where it was a, a group setting. I think there were 12 young girls about her age. She was about 14 at this point. And, um, they, they were doing a baking exercise of making some Rice Krispie squares or something. And she tells the story of all the girls trying to, you know, conjure up enough energy to make these Rice mm. Krispie squares. And she ran around the room and made about a hundred of them. Mm. Mm-hmm. And um, she, the way she tells it is it got her a trip to the bipolar clinic in Toronto. Uh, there's mm. a, something called the youth, uh, the center for uh, youth bipolar in Toronto um, run by Dr. Benjamin Goldstein. And we, got an appointment pretty quickly. And the diagnosis came down that her, we were not dealing with depression. We were dealing with bipolar depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, so bipolar disorder. Um, and those were rough days. 
um, she was really quite ill at that point. So I considered it a very life-threatening illness at Mm. that stage. Mm -hmm. Um, She would often spend two or three weeks uh, in a place where she couldn't function. She would be in bed. I would literally be spoon feeding her sometimes. Mm. And then there were, in how the the illness works, there were times where she was back up, um, sometimes too far up, and the Mm. energy went the other way. Mm -hmm. Um, And then then there are the times that you're kind of in, in what we call in the middle, So it really is a very unpredictable illness. Um, And so the journey began to get her the help that she needed and to get, in that case for bipolar disorder, that was uh, therapy, uh, medication was integral to her and still remains to be. Um, And just trying to regulate her in a way that she could literally function. That's really what all we really cared about at that point was to get her out of bed and get her into life and be mm. able to be who we knew that she she really is. Um, you, you said a lot of things. I want to just have you comment on a few in more detail. One of them, of course, is the fact that she's a teenager when this is going on, adolescent into teenager. And as someone who's dealt with depression in the past as an adult, it's tough enough for an adult who's lived a life and gone through the teenage years, which is filled right. with angst and acne and all the other stuff. Yep. And and you can attest to this, that the pressure on a young person who hasn't reached maturity has to be tenfold because, you know, it's it's unknown. It's why is this happening? It's peer pressure. Comment a little bit on the fact that this is happening to a young girl, uh, someone you love, obviously, but a young girl as opposed to an adult. As tough as it is, I, it was tougher than anything I've ever had to get through myself. I can't imagine what it's like for a kid. Right. And, and you were in a, you were fully an adult when mm-hmm. you had the experience. Right. You know, there are two things that come to mind. You're absolutely right. I mean, my gosh, adolescence and teen years and navigating all of that stuff is hard enough. Like you have enough on your plate. And then to to know probably deep in your own heart that there's something not right um, in terms of a, of a mental illness um, and a diagnosable mental illness it has to be huge. In some ways, I'll tell you, Jacqueline, I'll tell you the story of the actual day of the diagnosis was, you know, it kind of came down that she was bipolar and I was shocked and dismayed. And Jacqueline literally walked to the car fist pumping. And I said to her, do you have any idea what just went down here? Do you understand what this diagnosis means? And she said, mom, do you know that I've never felt like I've been in the middle? Mm. And that was huge for me. Mm -hmm. I thought, wow, that's huge. So in some ways, you know, yes, amidst all of the turmoil of growing up, she had kind of known something was amiss. And so I think she actually felt validated. The other thing that I'll say for your listeners who are parents, and they will very much relate to this. It's one thing to have yourself go through something as an adult and find help and administer self-care to to yourself. It's another thing when you're trying to encourage somebody else to do it. So one of the stories that I hear from parents over and over again, and was not our experience because Jacqueline was only 15 years old, we had a lot of say in her care. Um, And that actually was a bit of a blessing because um, there's even research to say too. The earlier you start with some of this, the intervention of some of this stuff is the, the better the person will do later on. Mm. Um, but we were able to be really in her corner and to help her versus some parents whose kids are a little bit older, who are you know adults and have their own say in their own health care, which they should, but will often be very uh, rude to get some help. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's a great point, uh, particularly with what's going on in the last 10 months worldwide. Uh, you've got a lot of millennials, people in their college years and beyond, shortly out of college, who are dealing with the economic hardships, they're dealing with loneliness. And uh, listen, it's it's a worldwide issue, we know. But relating to our topic of discussion in the book, a few words about mental health, I keep thinking about what you said when she left the doctor's office and fist pumped because she knew inherently that this was the road back, I think. Uh, and it felt that way to me too when, when I finally got word as to what was going on because for a lot of people, you don't know what the heck is going on. Right. It's like falling into a, a, a Hitchcock movie. What, what, who's got the answer here? And that's really the road back. And when you get to that point and you admit you need some help, it can be a big, uh, big change. Was it difficult for you to accept her uh, diagnosis or had you by this point been pretty much aware of the mental illness anyway, and you just wanted it to be diagnosed? Well, I think this, this corresponds with the word believe in the book. Um, and I think because that's the first thing you as parents say, you think, oh, this can't be right. This can't be right. This yeah, shiny little denial. penny that I brought into the world. And she, you know, and, and you start to, you start yourself to fall into the stigma trap. She's got everything. She's totally loved. She mm. can't be, she's gorgeous. She's, she's perfect. She's, she can't be feeling this way. This is wrong. And you go through all of this. And it's a sense I think that parents have to go through and not feel guilty about going through it. But I encourage parents to go through it quickly because the faster you get to that stage where you think, okay, this is what we're dealing with. Let's get on with it. You right. know, I actually say that right in the book. Okay. This is not what I wished for my daughter. Um, but here we are. And I'm still incredibly proud of her. I mm. think she's an incredible kid. And we, we will figure out a way to, to battle this thing back together and, and learn to live with it. Well, it, it is an illness. It is an, uh, it is an illness. It is That's a right. syndrome that affects people chemically in the brain and then affects behavior. That's the thing that I learned early on. And I'm on medication and I'm fine. I've been fine for years. And I thank the Lord every day thank that God. There's, there's miracle medication and therapy and all the people who really know what yeah. they're doing in a very strange part of medicine because, you know, it's, it's personality. What I love about the book is it's very honest. I mean, you say at one point in a page that is labeled rain, without rain, nothing can grow. I mean, you're not ducking the issue. Everything's rosy. We're going to get through this. It is something you can get through, but you have to be realistic. The path to cure, the path to healing is choppy. It's up and down. It's up a little bit, down a lot. That is what struck me in reading the book, that you're very, as a good writer, you're very uh, aware of the reality of the situation. 100%, because we live it every day. You know, I think the, and, and, and Jacqueline herself said that in one of her speeches, and she said, you know, this is something to be managed. This is something, bipolar disorder, unfortunately, probably is not going away anytime soon. There's lots of research and, you know, wonderful people working on it. But right now it's here. Mm -hmm. And this is something she deals with every day. So it's, it's a course of management. It's not a course of, and in, in even writing this book, the last thing I want people to think is like, okay, well, I've got it all figured out. You know, right. I was a mother who was, a, you know, no, it doesn't work that way. It is, it is up and down, no pun intended. It is unpredictable. And I think in some ways, that's one of the reasons why the stigma exists. Because you see somebody having not such a bad day one day, and then the next day there's something that they can't do. And you think, well, why? I don't understand. This must be about choice. It must be about you know, you're just choosing not to do this this day and you're feeling, no, that's not how it works. They're, you're right. It's chemical. It's a brain disorder. Um, it, it is 
um, it, it, it is unpredictable at best, as I said. And mm. that's, you know, again, the word warrior comes in. I look at Jacqueline as somebody who just manages this so beautifully, but mm. it's not easy. No. And, uh, and there's nothing foolproof. I think, you know, we talked about medication and, and talk therapy. Medication is not a be-all and end-all. It's thank God we have it. Thank God we have beautiful human beings who who work as therapists on the front lines of this. But none of this is foolproof. It really is something that has to be managed daily. There's a four-word phrase that uh, I grew to hate, and most people who have been through anything like this hate it. It's called snap out of it. (laughs) Easy for them to say, snap out of it. I don't want to belabor my situation, but I'm, I'm sharing with you because it's really true. This affects the human spirit, psyche, body, mind, Everything, sleep, plays with your uh, emotions and plays with your belief systems. It does so many things to screw you up and make your life miserable that when you come back from it, even a little bit, I'm looking at flowers behind you. Everything looks like that flower pot. Everything seems to be more in color and more crisp and HD. Everything looked better, smelled better, tasted better. So I think that's where the, the beauty of your story, your daughter's story is, it's never going to be, nothing's perfect. That's why crap is in the book. (laughs) That's right. Some days are just crap. Some days are just, you don't feel like doing anything. Hundred percent. Exactly. And I'll tell you, I, you know, one of the things, the important things too, you, you know, this Jordan, I'm not a professional in any way. I'm, I, I am a mother navigating this. So, you know, there were days that I said, oh, you know what, honey, it's okay. Just, you know, stay in like, it's, it's okay today. You know, Sometimes the medical community would say, no, 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 you've always got to be trying and doing and you never, but there was a part of me that thought, you know what, some days if she wasn't, didn't live with bipolar disorder, some days would be crap anyway. Exactly. Like that's just part of the human condition. There's, you know, a lot of us, this is, we, we, a lot of the stuff that, that people experiencing depression, anxiety, mental illness go through is magnified to what most of us go through on certain levels on any given day. Right. right? I mean, we all have days that are crap. Of course, of course. And I think there's a mother's instinct or a parent's instinct that is still vital in terms of helping people who are young get through this. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, the biggest, um, we, I, I think every family will go through that moment of, uh, how did you say it? I, I used to say it, or, or I considered it, suck it up, get over it. Um, th- that is, that is the biggest lesson you learn very quickly because, um, I think that's really what the mother, um, the family, family support is huge. Support mm. is huge in mental illness. And you have to have that mindset of, of, of that, that, you know what, I understand this. I believe you. I get that today's crap. Tomorrow will be better. You're still amazing. We're, we're in this together. You are a writer by trade, and you said early on that uh, this book uh, allowed you to use the the craft, the artistry that you're known for, to really express yourself. You've written other things, but this really means a lot to you, doesn't it? Oh my gosh, uh, yes. This was, yeah. You know, I I thought long and hard about this book, Jordan, for a number of reasons. Number one, this isn't my story to tell. This is my daughter's. I'm not living with bipolar disorder. She is. So that was the first consideration. The second consideration was, you know, do you really want to put her story out there and, and put all of this out there? And and I and I spoke to Jacqueline and the resounding answer from both of us was yes, because this is this is what we can do, right? There's so much suffering out there from people who are not talking about it. 
that's one of the things about this book I think that I've I've been really the response to this book has been overwhelming but what has overwhelmed me are the people who have come out and said you know what you've given me a voice there was a word in here that just for some ha- for some reason tweaked me and I now can talk about this I have been anxious I have had depression I have whatever their their story is and the fact that they haven't come forward ahead of that is just heart-wrenching to me so Jacqueline is one of the lucky ones in terms of having the support. Not everyone has that support. And I think this book was written. It's certainly a love letter to my daughter in many ways, but it's also for those people who, you know, are feeling like they are alone. And that, that is just, that's just wrong. And I, and I don't want people to feel alone. And I think really that's the, the crux of this book. Don't feel alone. And in fact, feel proud of yourself. You are navigating something that's difficult and you are doing it. And we are here to help you. The words, it's very much like a book of poetry. Um, and I think that's a high compliment to a prose writer. It very Is much it ever? Reads. Jordan, and, thank uh, you. <laughs> so, no, I want you to know that. I really enjoyed it. And I'll, no. just, I'll just have you, do you have the book in front of you that you can perhaps read I, a couple I do. for me? I think it'd be nice to share in your words. Uh, there are so many. Uh, page 34 is one of the simplest ones. It's simply the word be. Not, B, the, not yeah. the buzzing kind, but the, the verb. <laughs> B-E. Would you read that for us? Well, I start every chapter with a definition. So it says it's a verb to live, to exist, to take place. And then I add, just be you. Just be the best you that you can be. This is a given. Just be you. And if you would follow it up with one that you mentioned earlier that I think really exemplifies the story, it's warrior on page 29. One of my favorite words, um, mm. warrior, a brave fighter. And I say, just keep going. And I write, at first this word was hero, but then I realized it wasn't quite right. Who says we have to be a hero in the first place? Are we not all doing the best we can living our lives? With that in mind, we are all heroes. The word instead, I think, is warrior. A warrior is someone who uses self-love, self-compassion, and self-acceptance and just keeps on going. A warrior is someone who learns to accept themselves as they are. They can be brave and courageous and determined for sure, but they can also be a gentle warrior. My daughter recently gave a lived experience speech to a group of 300 people and brought the house down with her message. Mental illness is a struggle to be sure, she said, but it is mostly a life of management. A warrior, indeed. I love that because... We've been talking about your daughter, and and there's an example of her giving back and not being shamed and not being embarrassed, but being, I don't want to say proud, but being comfortable in the sense that she is who she is. And you said something earlier that I, I love to follow up on as well. Being an illness, being an illness in a giant category of illness, mental illness, uh, the suggestion that uh, if you're either on therapy regularly or taking drugs or both— taking medicines or both, that there's something lacking in your character or soul is like saying, well, the diabetic shouldn't uh, take insulin because you, you have to be stronger than that. It drives 100%. me bananas. And I'm not going to call out Tom Cruise, although I could for a lot of reasons, but <laughs> it really does point to the fact that there are great, great therapies and he- there's a lot of help out there if people just know that it's there and take advantage of it. That's a very good thought. I think, you know, we, um, p- parents often don't know what to do with with their children who are struggling with mental illness. And they feel like 
I, I think one of the things we really have to work on is this choice versus not choice. Take Jacqueline, for example, because that's really all I can speak about. I'm not an expert otherwise. But for Jacqueline, bipolar disorder is not a choice. Bipolar disorder is something that she deals with. There is choice involved in it in terms of how she administers self-care to her. And that's where talk therapy comes in, taking medication comes in, and, you know, doing the best that she can. It's like if you have the flu. It's not your fault that you have the flu. But if you don't drink fluids, if you don't eat right, if you don't get rest, the flu is only going to get worse. So I think that's what the confusing, that's the confusing part for people with mental illness is that it's all choice. It's not choice. There's no choice involved in this. This is an illness. The choice comes after that. And I think there's a, a word in the book, create. When I was struggling with that concept and I was thinking, has she just lost faith in her life? Is she not trying hard enough? Is this thing going to beat her? It was actually my rabbi who gave me beautiful advice. And he said, you know, don't be fooled into thinking that mental illness is um, a science project. It's not simply just about throwing medication and something at something at, at, at this. It's also a creative art project. So mm. that's where the talk therapy and the self-care come into it. It really is a combination of two things, but we have to get through our heads, that the choice is not to be, to have this mental illness. The mental illness is an illness. You're exactly right. Right. I couldn't agree more. And uh, for those who suggest that uh, artists and geniuses thrive because of their mental illness, I've never bought into that. Robin Williams, one of our greatest comic geniuses, was tortured throughout his life. Yes, maybe he was pushing himself so hard to be funny and creative, but you really don't want to live a life like that. And, of course not. Uh, and we, we pray for everyone. We're certainly thrilled that your daughter's doing well and is Thank a you. warrior. Now, how can people get this wonderful, I call it a little book because it's- It's, it's not it's, long. <laughs> it's not long, but it's, and it fits in your pocketbook. It fits anywhere. Let's tell people how they can get a copy of this small but very powerful book, A Few Words About Mental Health, Michelle. Um, so the book is available on Amazon, uh, fulfilling orders through there. It's also available on my website. My website is a little wordy.ca because I am in Canada, hey. a site that I created when, uh, we started this process and the book is available there. All right. A little wordy.ca. It's right. more than just words. It's the meaning behind them and it, and it's an impactful bit of, uh, prose because you're the mom who's lived it with a beautiful young lady who's doing quite well. I thought this was very, very soothing to the soul for anybody, whether you've been through it or not. So congratulations on that. And thank you, Jordan. Thank you not only for having me on your show. This is this is such an honor for me, but also for your honesty. I think, you know, when you talk about your own experience, um, that that that's all this is all part of a peer to peer movement, right, to support each other, to help each other to understand each other. And you being honest is a great thing for all of us. So thank you to you. Well, to coin one of your words, kindred. We are kindred spirits in this crazy thing called life. Michelle, thank you so much. And a very happy new year. 2021 will be a much better year for the world and certainly for you guys. And for you, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again to Michelle Viner and all of our friends in Canada. Visit alittlewordy.ca for all the details about the book, A Few Words About Mental Health. Definitely worth a look-see. Alittlewordy.ca. Thanks, as always, to the production team putting the podcast together, to Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media, to Ken Carberry here at Chart Productions, 
And certainly to all of you for downloading and subscribing. We just recently surpassed 40,000 listens, and our audience is growing every single day. So thank you. To order my book, On Air, My 50-Year Love Affair with Radio, simply go to jordanrich.com, my new website, jordanrich.com. Hey, it's a brand new year and hopefully a much better one for so many. And as always, we close by saying be well so you can do good. This is Jordan. Take care.